So, uh, Bet Midrash, that's the next level. You've heard me say Midrash a lot. Bet Midrash, what is that? House of... It's a house of study. Guess what ages? 13 to 15 years old. That's house of learning. House of learning, house of study. Here they began to differentiate themselves and move on beyond just memorization. Here they go from memory work to explanation. This is what the Bible means instead of, we're not explaining anything in Jonah, by the way. We're just memorizing it. We are little kids in Bet Sefer. The reason I have my students in Hebrew roots memorize is so you can feel what it feels like to be in Bet Sefer. We also get to teleport to Bet Midrash and the third level as well, but you wouldn't in real life unless you had the Torah memorized. Anybody willing to spend eight years memorizing the Torah to, to see what it feels like? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So here, it's only boys in Bet Midrash. It's only boys, sorry girls, and while you're doing this, now you begin to learn the trade of your father. So while you're there, you're studying the Torah more again, but now it's explanation, not just memory. But you also begin to study and memorize the other 34 books of the Tanakh of the Old Testament. Say what now? Yeah, you get to study and memorize Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalm. So women can never be rabbis? No. Uh, wait, wait, were the girls and boys in? Bet Sefer? Mm-hmm. So even What happens to a girl at age 12? Sorry. Okay. I was going to say something else. Biological happens, usually. Yeah, she starts a cycle. She's a woman. She, she's a woman now. She's not in school anymore. She's going to go home and she's going to learn from mom how to be a mom, how to take care of a family. She's not in school. Theoretically, as soon as a girl has her first period, she is able to have a baby. So theoretically, yes. Um, I don't know. Honestly, just ignorance. I don't know how many 12-year-olds actually got married in the ancient world, but 13, 14-year-olds are having babies. I think so. Mm-hmm. I really do. Most boys by this age, guys, 13 to 15, it was clear. They, they were not going to be able <laughs> to go on to the next level. Now, I, I don't just memorize the rest of the books. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to explain them. I have to memorize teachings from previous teach. I mean, the amount of brain capacity was just, it would boggle our minds. So it was clear they weren't going to be able to go on to the next level. So they began to learn the trade of their father full time. Now, I'll just be a fisherman. I'll just be a potter. I'll just be a, uh, a leather worker. I'll just be a stonemason. And, and it wasn't a shameful thing. It, it was sad for the boy, but it was pretty normal too. There were a few exceptional ones who would go on to the third level. This is called... Bet Talmud. This is house of 
interpretation. This is amazing. Bet Talmud. Guess what age? 15 to 30. 15 to 30. That's how long you studied in Bet Talmud. How long is that? 15. Yeah, 15, 16 years. But the Bible doesn't say anything about Jesus. Darn it, from age 12 to, I don't know, 30. I just don't know what was going on in Jesus' life. How he could just be this amazing rabbi who knew the text, who, who walked around and taught like he had authority or something. I just, I wish the Bible would tell us what he was doing. Wait, so it Jesus did. Like he, he oh, I think he finished oh, yeah. Bet Talmud. Oh, most definitely. You know what's crazy? You know who's teaching Bet Talmud? What age are the guys teaching Bet Talmud? No, they're old. Those are going to be your 60 to octogenarians. <laughs> they're going to be your old men with experience, with unbelievable knowledge of all of life. How many of these guys had smicha? The authority given by two previous rabbis to interpret their own meanings of scripture, not interpretation of what everyone else said. So can you imagine Jesus at about 30 with his tassel and his diploma and he says, you have heard that it was said by those of old, you shall not. But I say to you, and everybody went, huh? You can't do that. You're not old enough. You're 30. You don't even have smicha. What are you talking about? This guy's, guys, what I'm doing right now, this is bewilderment. This is me acting astonished. We think that the crowd just went, bravo, oh. <laughs> Jesus, that was so good. They were going, what? wait a minute. No, he said, he was talking about, like, you can't even be angry with his, well, who's he to say that? I don't know. He's acting like he's, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he taught them, I'm quoting, by the way, as one who had authority, smicha, and not as their teachers, their scribes. Oh, by the way, those that graduated this, they went on to become Torah teachers. There's another word your Bibles use for Torah teachers. Scribe. Scribes. So now I want you to go, next time you see the word scribe and your little brain, my little brain, conjures up this image of some guy following a rabbi around with a pencil and a pad of paper, writing down everything he says. That is not a scribe. A scribe is a brilliant Torah teacher who spent his entire life memorizing, learning, interpreting the text. And this guy knew the text like the back of his hand. Sorry, back of his hand. <laughs> he knew the text like the back of his hand. And it was the scribes and Pharisees that came up to Jesus and said to test him, Rabbi, we know that you are sent from God. I mean, these people were brilliant, amazing, okay? That's Bet Talmud. At age 30, these unusually brilliant men and, and uh, aged men that were teaching them would become teachers themselves. These guys studied with rabbis, 
some with smicha, only rabbis with smicha, I understand, had Talmidim. I, I have to verify that. I'm not sure that that's accurate. But I have heard that Talmidim only followed a rabbi with smicha because only rabbis with smicha could have Talmidim. You could have students and onlookers and multitudes and crowds like Jesus had, but he only had a few Talmidim. Okay? You guys cannot imagine the passion these guys had to be just like their rabbi. They've been in school their whole life. They want to be a Bet Talmud rabbi. That's who they want to be. They followed their rabbi 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You sleep in the room he sleeps in. What? You eat what and when and where he eats. Well, what if I don't like? When, doesn't matter. <laughs> if he goes into the men's room, you go in there after him. Why? Not in the stall with him, but because when he comes out, he, he might, well, not might, he will. He'll bless God. You have to learn that blessing. The Jews bless God for everything. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Malech HaOlam, right? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives us openings in our bodies. <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't it? It only sounds funny, Brent, until one of your openings quits working. And then you're like, oh, that ain't funny. That's actually pretty sad. So they have to learn the blessing. How are you going to learn the blessing for going to the bathroom if you're not in the bathroom with the rabbi who blesses? They bless when they see a beautiful woman or man. They bless when they see a uh, beautiful sunrise. They bless God after intimate relations with their spouse. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who commands us to be fruitful and multiply. Everything goes back to God in the Bible. It's crazy. And they have to learn these blessings. Uh, you bless God for everything. You spend every waking hour with the rabbi 24 hours a day because I want to end up being just like him. Now the phrase is to sit at his feet or be covered in his dust. You're so close to the rabbi that when he walks on the dusty paths, you get covered by his dust. That is a Talmud. A Talmud is watching the rabbi like a hawk. Why? Because he wants to be exactly like him. He wants to learn how to fight with his wife, have an argument with his wife, I mean. He needs to learn what kind of chores and housework he ought to participate in as a man. How much of a role as a father he ought to be. He's got to watch the rabbi in every aspect of life, not just his knowledge of the Torah. He's got to figure out how do I live my life like my rabbi does. He's an awesome dad. What makes him an awesome dad? Well, he wrestles with his kids and he throws stuff at them and they laugh and he tells them jokes and he tucks them in every night and he lets his daughter light the candle before Shabbat. Oh, maybe I need to do that. You see, he's taking mental notes. Now guys, Matthew 4 has Jesus walking up to Peter and Andrew and he says to them in our very Western way of reading it, <clears throat> follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they say, oh, okay. Uh, and it's just such a weird thing. We're like, really? These guys would just throw down their nets. They've never even seen this guy before. And he just says, Ahem, follow me. And I'll make you catch people. 
And they're like, okay, that sounds great. Like, who's going to do that? Who's going to leave their livelihood, their trade, their job in one second and just follow this guy for the rest of their life? Come on. It just doesn't make sense in our Western minds. But when you realize what they've been wanting their whole life, it's kind of different. Now, listen, Mark 1 has exactly the same scenario, exactly the same players, exactly the same dialogue. And in both of these accounts, James and John are in their boats. And what are they doing? No. They're mending their nets. Now, it's not until we have John's gospel that the picture starts to come into focus. Because remember, Matthew, Mark, don't mention anything. John says, according to John, Andrew was one of John the Baptist's disciples. Peter's brother, Andrew, was following John the Baptist, the baptizer. And John said one day, look, the Lamb of God right there. That one takes away the sins of the whole world. And Andrew went, Adios, John, I'm going to go follow that guy. And he goes over and he follows Jesus home. Literally, he's following Jesus home, asking them questions. How come you're the lamb of the world? How, when did you get the lamb? How, how long is your fur and your wool? And what color is it? And how are you going to save the sins of the world? I don't understand this. Why would John say that? Are you cousins with him? Is he a rabbi too? Because I was following him and I must be a tell me. And Jesus is like, listen, okay. And Jesus would have said, go get your brother. Oh, you mean Peter? I'll go get Peter. Okay, Peter, Peter, hey. I'm following this guy. Um, his name is I don't, Lamb or something like that. But, but uh, John told, told us that he was going to save the world. I think he might be the Messiah. And Peter says, oh, come on. Oh, my gosh. Seriously? I'm not. Okay. Pat, pat, pat. Little Andrew. And Jesus says, y'all want to stay in my house tonight? Not my house, but I'm staying, you know, over here at this place. Because he's hospitable. So they probably spend the night, stay the night. That's John. It's not until we get Luke's account that the picture snaps into focus. Because James and John are brothers, and their father, Savdai, you would say, we say Zebedee, he owns a fishing company. And who are James and John's probably partners, but lead fishermen techs? Peter and Andrew. That's right. They all work for Zavdi, John's dad. And remember, if they spent an evening and a morning with Jesus and then said, we got to go fishing, even though in our Western way of reading it, it's still good. Jesus walks up to these guys and says, follow me. And they say, you got it. When we understand the calling of the disciples and how the four gospels kind of put it together, we know that these disciples didn't just drop everything and abandon their father and leave their entire livelihood at the whim of a perfect stranger. In the context of the first century Israel, let's read it through Hebrew eyes and see what the Lord shows us. What were Simon, Peter, James, Andrew, and John all doing when Jesus called them. No, only James and John were mending their nets, which tells you what were they doing that night. They were fishing all night. What were James, I'm sorry, Andrew and Peter doing? Look at Mark 1. Look at Matthew 8. 
sorry, Matthew 4. What were Simon and Andrew doing when Jesus called them? They were casting their nets. In other words, they were fishing. They were plying the trade of their father, which tells you what? They didn't make it. They were failures. They were C minus students or worse. They never made the cut. Bummer. But a rabbi never sought out a disciple ever in Israel. A rabbi doesn't choose the disciples. The disciples choose the rabbi, <laughs> attempt to, just like today in America. The school doesn't come and look for you. Gee, we heard that Abigail Nichols is so brilliant that we need you to come to our school. You say, well, they do in scholarships. Yeah, but you still have to apply. They don't come looking for you. Rare occasions do they, if you've made such a name for yourself. It didn't happen in Israel. We only know of two exceptions. Two guys in the entire history of rabbinics, discipleship, ever chose their disciples. Do you know who one of them is? Jesus. Jesus, good. Jesus is one of them. There was a guy that lived about a generation before Jesus. His name was Rabbi Hillel. He was Paul, the apostle Paul's teacher's grandpa. And he was said to have chosen his disciples. But it just broke the mold and it was just crazy. And people were like, what? Who does that? Nobody does that. So even without Luke's details of this catch of fish that Jesus gives Simon Peter the day before, even without the details of the four brothers, even without the details of the mending the nets and the, maybe they spent the night with them, what would it mean to four brothers who were told, you ain't got what it takes? Literally in their particular bet, Sefer, Bet Midrash, whichever one they made it into or out of, when that rabbi said to Peter, I'm sorry, Peter, but you don't have what it takes to be like me. It's not, don't be ashamed, that's God. But go be a, what does your father do? Be a, be a fisherman. Be the best fisherman for God that you can. And Peter just, okay, Rabbi. Andrew, I'm sorry. You don't have what it takes to be like me. Okay, Rabbi. James, John, sorry, fellas. You ain't got what it takes. It's a sad day. But guys, for a rap rabbi with the reputation of Jesus, who by Luke's chronology has already raised the dead, cast out demons, and healed the sick, for that caliber of rabbi to walk up to you when you're throwing your fish stinking every day of his life, every morning watching all those kids, his friends, they're still going to Bet Talmud, Bet Midrash, and I'm fishing. Hey guys, for Jesus Christ to walk up to you and say, you too, follow me. 
imagine what that does to a failure. For Jesus to say, I think you have what it takes to be like me. You do. Shelby, I think you have what it takes to be like me in destiny. Follow me. Jordan, you also have what it takes to be like me. Do you know what that's got to do to four failure, four kids that feel like they flunked out of life? Oh my gosh, the pride. <laughs> and the, it's so funny because the gospel say, and they left their father Zebedee sitting in the boat. Are you kidding me? He was going, woohoo! Those are my boys right there. The pride. Yes! I knew you always had it, James and John. I knew it. The gloating with the neighbors. Oh, where are my sons? Yeah, I don't know. Following a rabbi? Uh, rabbi Jesus, I think it is. Couldn't remember his name. Oh, your sons are following a rabbi? They got chosen to be. You realize the pride? You realize the posts on face scroll? Check that out, right? <laughs> I mean, the pride is just, whoa. Now, guys, there's a PS to this lesson. What's the purpose of a disciple? To become like the rabbi. And when Rabbi Jesus walks up to Peter, Andrew, James, and John and says, follow me, I think you have what it takes to be like me. If that doesn't change everything, for those guys. I don't know what would. But here's the thing, and this is why I, I insist. This class is not an elective at Midland Christian. That's all nice and great. But I've always seen this class as God handpicked Jordan, Destiny, Shelby, Laura, Riley, Kyle, Brent, Michaela, and Abigail. Because I think you have what it takes to be like me. Not me, Mark Dean, Jesus, right now. Right now in high school. If that doesn't change everything for you, I don't know what will. Because Jesus thinks for some reason that you can be like him now. Not when you're married, not when you're done with school, not when you're an adult. Now. To be like him in every way. RVL tells a story. I'm going to tell this last one to end this. This is such a good story. It's real short. That's not why it's good. But <laughs> A man named David Flusser. I've got two of his books. I've read them. They're fantastic. He was considered to be the greatest Jesus scholar of all times. Jewish man that we know of never accepted Jesus as Messiah. No. But he knew more about Jesus than anyone in the world is crazy that you could know that much about Jesus, right? He's a Jewish scholar, former head of the department at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. He's brilliant. He looked out at a crowd sitting in his seminar and said, Christians call themselves disciples. Talmidim of their rabbi. Any Christian who calls himself or herself a Talmud, a disciple of the rabbi, and does not read the four gospels every month, is a liar. 
You couldn't possibly know Jesus well enough to be like him. Could hurt a pin drop. Listen to me. We are not disciples an hour on Sunday mornings. Ten minutes before we go to bed in a Bible study on Wednesday nights. That is not a disciple. That's dabbling. A disciple is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every fiber of your being asking, how can I be more like Jesus in this moment? You're at Chick-fil-A. I don't care. How can I be more like Jesus? You're in traffic. People are cutting you off. How can I be more like Jesus? Your parents are telling you no, and there's no reason, but it's unfair. How can I be more like Jesus in this moment? You're with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's late. Friday night. No one's around. How can I be more like my rabbi in this moment? Are you trying to be like your rabbi? Well, what was he like? He read, he studied, he memorized the text. He knew it like the back of his hand. He taught others what he learned. He prayed both at night and early in the morning. He healed people. He ushered in the kingdom with the way he lived his life. Are you a Talmud or are you a student? Because we need more Talmud. We need more Tommy Dean. How well do you know him? How much do you look like him? A student wants to know what the teacher knows, but a disciple wants to be what the teacher is. May you be covered in the dust of your Rabbi Jesus today, this weekend, for the rest of your walk. And may you become Tommy Dean. Very soon. Amen? Let's pray. God in heaven, creator of the sea, the dry land, and everything in them. I love this lesson because it's such a reminder that I am such a student. But I want to be a Talmud. I want to be just like my rabbi Jesus. I want to be compassionate and loving and forgiving and merciful and kind and strong and stern and powerful. I want to heal the sick. I want to raise the dead. I want to cast out the demons in our world, in this school, in this city. I want to not be driven by the flesh and by the things uh, that are below, but I want to set my mind and my eyes on things above. I want to walk as Jesus walked. I want to see the good in people. I want to hang out with the tax collectors and prostitutes of this city, of this school. I want to be just like him. But I'm so weak. And if I'm a betting man, I'm betting the students are sitting here in this room listening to this prayer are kind of in the same boat. But Lord, you, you have the power. And what you have done by stooping down and looking at us square in the eyes and saying, but I really think you have what it takes to be like me. That just changes everything for me, Jesus. And I want to stand up and I want to say, yes, I will. I will be just like you. Help me be like you. And maybe that's our prayer, Lord, is we want to be like you. Help us be just like you. We ask this in the name of our Messiah, in the power of God, the strength of the Spirit. Amen. Amen.